All right, bring it back in, bring it back in. Uh, now, pro tip, if you are a husband sitting next to your wife, if you didn't say something that they got you, that was a bad choice, okay? This was not a trap, this wasn't a trick, but I did kind of set you up for an alley-oop there, okay? Uh, so, as I was thinking about it, I got some great gifts, don't get me wrong, but I'm going to do what I shouldn't do as well. Uh, one of the joys of being a dad, so, so if you don't know, I, I have two sons, uh, Gideon is six and Silas will be four in like another month, and they are a blast, but I will say when Wednesday came around and daycare was open and school was back, man, the goodness of God. <laughs> but I think if I'm really honest, one of my favorite gifts that I didn't receive but we received is uh, earlier this year... Uh, we bought, used from someone, a Nintendo Switch. It's a video game system. And so my boys are all excited about getting games and controllers and things like that. And so, and I promise you, this is just the goodness of God. I didn't actually do this. But for whatever reason, my three, almost four-year-old Silas got it in his mind that he liked skateboarding and he wanted a game called Tony Hawk. Now, if you don't know what Tony Hawk is... Uh, Tony Hawk is like the greatest skateboarder of all time, and the video games, they came out originally on the Nintendo 64 uh, when I was a kid, and they're just awesome. All, I mean, all you do is you go to different skate parks and cities, and, and you, uh, you basically compete, and you get to do tricks, and you, you, know, you do your kickflip, and you do your, uh, you do my, my favorite one, because I wanted to be a, you know, a good Christian, is there's this, this one where you'd go up on a big vert ramp, and it was called a Christ Air, and you'd take the, the skateboard, and you'd do like this, and I was always like, yeah, take that, Satan. Um, and so anyways, for whatever reason, Silas is like, I want that. And so I was like, I'll put it on the Christmas list for you, buddy, because you want it. And uh, let's just say the Lord was good. And on Christmas Day, uh, we opened up Tony Hawk, which has been a lot of fun. And yes, are there moments where they're like, Daddy, isn't it our turn? So I'm like, I got to show you stuff. <laughs> One of the things I've learned as we've been playing it and watching it is, uh, you know, so much of parenting, at least in my experiences, is realizing how much I take for granted that my kids don't know. Where there are times where I'm like, hey, just look for the vert ramp, and they're like, huh? Or I'm like, dude, just do a kickflip, and they're like, what is, what? And there's often times where I've realized that in life, especially with my children, I'll be like, hey, just do this, or look for this, or find this. And sometimes I even tell them to be looking for a certain thing, and they're like, sure. And, I'm, and they go right by it, and I'm like, why didn't you do it? And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that's what it was. I don't know about you, there are things that in life, I, I, as an adult, I can't think of a good example in this moment, and I don't want to embarrass myself, so I'm not going to. But let's be honest, there are times where you have conversations with people about a, a person, place, or thing, or an idea, right? And they're like, you know what you're talking about. And there's that, there's that part of you where you're like, I don't want to look like an idiot. So you're like, yeah, for sure. Anyone willing to admit they do that sometimes? We all do. And if you don't, you're lying. And it's a good, it's a good place. Church is a good place to be if you're lying. So, because um, you're among friends. And grace. But, you know, as we begin this year, one of, the, one of the things that we wanted to do as a church body is to uh, rethink and reprioritize uh, and revision and, and talk about who we are as a church. What do we want to become? You know, at, at the beginning of, of the year, oftentimes people uh, begin to do New Year's resolutions and goals and things like that. And I think one of the big traps that we run into is to start off immediately with the things that we want to do rather than thinking through who we want to become. Because ultimately, 
at our core, becoming something is a little bit more important than doing something. You can do a lot of things without becoming something. And there's a lot of things where I've found, at least in my own walk with Jesus, I've realized that Jesus, I think, actually cares more about who I'm becoming than all of the things I'm doing. And don't get it twisted. He does care. And in, in, in the things we do help us become who we're supposed to be. But I think there's an important thing at sometimes to define the things that we want to embody, the values that we have. And so we've, we've re-envisioned as a church leadership team, we're going to share them. And so this series, as we sort of begin this year, we're going to be spending time talking about some core values, talking about some identifying things of who we want to become, and some of which are aspirational, some of which are things, and we're going to talk a little bit about how they are a counter to the way of the world. And we're also going to be talking about some practical ways to do it as both an individual and as a church body. And these are really important. And the reason why it's important for us to think about it as an individual is, is Scripture talks about how we are one body made of many parts. And so whether you realize it or not, what you do in your own life matters to our church. How you choose to live and follow Jesus matters to your neighbor, to the person sitting on the left and the right of you, the person on the other side of the room, because we are one body. And we must move together. And so the idea of this series in many ways and this idea of talking about these values is to simplify and just really name some things that we say, hey, you know what, this might not be the exhaustive forever list, but we really just want to name some things about who we want to become. Because again, in the same way that I, I talked about how my son, sometimes I'm realizing I have to just be really obvious with them, there are times where I realize sometimes maybe we take for granted, just do this, or hey, focus in on that. And sometimes I've realized there's times where, if we're honest, maybe we've even been around church for a long time and we're like, hey, I've heard this fancy church word or this idea, and I'll be honest, I've just been nodding and saying I know what that means, and I don't know what it means. And so we're going to define that. And so what I want to do is talk about it. But again, why does it matter? Why do values matter? Values really, they matter because values are embodied beliefs. Values, they, they help give us direction. Values help us understand and know what success looks like. Values help us prioritize and steward well with the things that we have. Values help us take steps of formation that will ultimately lead to transformation. And values help us know how to best live faithfully and fruitfully. And so I want to I share with you what these, what these values are, and then we're going to dive into the very first one uh, today. And so here, here they are, and there are seven, which uh, this in a lot of ways will sort of replace our gather, grow, give, and go, which have been great, but I've realized every time I have done um, some sort of newcomer's person thing or things like that, I've realized what happens is it's like, okay, sweet, we only have four, but then I have to spend a long time on each one of them. Well, grow means this, 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 and this. Gather means this, this, and this. And so let me, let me kind of define these for you, and again, we're going to focus in on more of them. Uh, the first one is just this, to be rooted in Jesus. We as a church community, we want to be rooted in Jesus. We recognize that as the world is discipled and is formed by so many things in this world which lead to death and destruction, we want to be rooted to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who brings us life and life more abundantly and who brings us life beyond this world. We want to actually follow him with intentionality and passion. We want to be persistent in prayer. 
We want prayer not to just be kind of this thing that we do, but this, this thing that we are. We want to not stop in our communication and our communion with God because we recognize that it literally is the most powerful thing in this world that we have been given. Yet as I look at my own life in the life of most churches, we rarely actually take advantage of the gift that it is. And so we don't want prayer to be a, a sort of like backseat thing. We want it to be sort of the jet fuel of our life as individuals, as families, and as a church. We want to be gracious in love. You know, followers of Jesus, or at least people who proclaim his name, have gotten a bad rap oftentimes for being judgmental and unloving. And some of it is really unfair, and some of it we've earned pretty well. We believe that the church should be a place where people experience the incredible, audacious grace of God that transforms anybody who has a broken heart into something new. And we want to embody that. We want to be people of grace and love. We want to be a community that is radical in generosity. We live in a world that oftentimes lives with incredibly clenched fists. That rarely do we want to be uh, open-handed with our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I believe that as followers of Jesus, not only are we commanded to live that way, but also it is one of our greatest witnesses in a world that is full of cynicalness and things of that nature. That if we were to be radical, where people were talking about, can you believe they actually gave that much money or spent that much time or prayed that hard or engaged in those ways? We have an awesome opportunity if we would be radical in generosity. We want to be eager to serve. Service isn't something that we feel an obligation. We see as an honor and as an opportunity. Because as Jesus said, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give up his life for many. And so we want to embody that idea that we are people known for the way that we serve others. And people who don't look like us, don't think like us, don't vote like us, whom the world would say don't deserve our help or our attention. And we don't want to do it just because ah, we have to. We want to be excited and passionate and eager to do this. We want to be committed to community. The world right now is dealing with an issue of isolation and loneliness. I've shared this before, but there, there's a country uh, in Asia, and I forget which one it is right now, who has literally created a position uh, for research and development in their country called the Ambassador of Loneliness because they see that it is having quite literally health problems in their country. And so as the world is sort of... Uh, wanting to not be committed and not be close with others, we want to lean in and recognize the fact that we need others and others need us. We want to be committed to that community. And finally, we want to be focused on the kingdom. That at the end of the day, it is not even about our church, it is about God's kingdom advancing. That we recognize that someday our church, South Creek, will be no more, but the kingdom of God will last forever. And so we want to be focused on things that make heaven come down to earth. We want to focus on things where we're actually seeing lives being changed, where we're seeing the global church explode and all of those sort of things. And that's what we want to do. And so when people, and people have asked me this even in recent times, kind of like, so what would you say is our vision as a church? And I would say this, our vision is to be a church community rooted in Jesus, who is persistent in prayer, gracious in love, radical in generosity, eager to serve, committed to community, and focused on his kingdom as we seek 
to love people and lead them to new life in Christ. Now, again, I recognize that's a mouthful. There's a lot. But what I want in there is the specificity. That there's no sort of question about, like, am I looking for these moments? Am I looking for that moment? That we want to know. And, of course, this, as we work to figure out who we're becoming, this will help us recognize the initiatives and the things to know, okay, ooh, I feel like we could be persistent in prayer in this way. I feel like we could be more committed to the community in this way. I feel like we could focus in on this kingdom advancement in this way. But again, it's important for us to work on, to, to, to identify, to, to press into who we want to become. And so this morning, what I, what I want to talk a little bit about uh, is this idea of being rooted in Jesus. This is, I think, one of the most important things. It, it, there's a reason why it's the first one, because in, in so many ways, if you miss that one, you, you kind of miss out on everything else. If you're not rooted and connected with Jesus, it doesn't really matter uh, if, if you're praying a lot. Uh, if, it, what's the point of being gracious in love if you're not going to actually experience the love of God yourself? What good is it to be radical in generosity if you haven't experienced the gracious love of God? All of these sort of things, in many ways, they can have value, but they don't have long-term, eternal, consequential value. Because as followers of Jesus, we have to, if we desire to be following him, have to do it with intentionality. No one is going to someday be like, I lived a life as a good person, and they're going to stand before the Lord someday, and they're going to be like, hey, man, you did all the things except for uh, loving and serving me. We're going we're to let you in. Part of following Jesus is actually knowing and choosing to follow Jesus. And again, I said, every one of these values in some ways are, are, are trying to acknowledge a problem that we have in our world, in our society, and how the gospel has an answer or, or, or a solution to them. And again, whether you believe it or not, whether you would call yourself religious or not, every single one of us are following and serving something or someone. Now, we may not say, we may be like, no, I'm not. But the truth is, some of us are serving our own success. Some of us are following our money. Some of us have put all our hopes and our dreams and our values in a political party. Some of us have, have put it in a child or a spouse or, 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 or a reputation. And the truth is, every single one of those things, and I'm not saying all of those things are even bad, none of them were created to be something that you serve and give your life to. None of them were created to be something that actually can hold you up that can give you security and peace and wholeness. Only Jesus can. And so we want to be really intentional about the fact that we don't exist as a church to just kind of gather people together and sing some songs and, and then go out and do little things. We exist because our desire is to help people find and follow Jesus. We don't want them just to have an experience with him. We want them to have an eternity with him. We want them to actually not just sort of like pray a sinner's prayer and then move on with their life. We want them to actually follow through every day to know him and grow in his grace and his mercy. Now, uh, I've, I've taught a lot about it in the last couple of years. Some of you guys are like, not another sermon on roots and trees and stuff like that. We get it. You like fruits. You should have been a farmer. I definitely should not have. Um, but they're really important. 
There's a reason why throughout Scripture Jesus talks about these things. Of course, some of it, yes, he came from more of sort of an agricultural time and things like that. But they're important for us to recognize. I, I love how it says, this is the very first psalm uh, in all of Scripture. This is Psalm 1. And if you don't know what Psalms is, it's a book in the Old Testament that's really kind of a book of prayer and poetry. It's beautiful. If you're ever like, I don't really know how to pray, go to Psalms and just read it and, and maybe even pray it out loud for yourself. And the cool thing is, this guy named David wrote a lot of them, and you get to see David go through a lot of different phases. Like, man, that guy really needed a therapist, like bad. Um, but this is what it says. It says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Now, I love what David is talking about. He, he's talking about this reality of, of living in God's way, in God's presence. And when we do those things, we are like a tree that has found itself by water. Now, trees by water, yes, they, they have sort of an advantage, right? There's lots of water for them to, to draw from. The nutrients help them grow and bear fruit, and it helps them uh, that even during harder seasons, they, they kind of have this stored up reality. And it's this same way that as followers of Jesus, if we are to have closeness with Jesus, it does not mean that bad things won't happen in our lives. It does not mean that the world magically goes great. It means that even though things are bad around us, even though curveballs are thrown at us, we will be okay because we are deeply rooted and fed and nourished and cared for our Heavenly Father by the source of living water. In Jeremiah chapter 17, this is a, a book of prophecy from the Old Testament. It says this, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him, they are like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots by the streams. It does not fear when heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green, and it has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. Now, I love that scripture because it reminds us that we don't have to be afraid of our circumstances, that growth, again, isn't dependent upon uh, on outputs but inputs. It's not all dependent on what we do. So much of it is dependent upon him, and that we bear fruit uh, not because of what we do, but because who is feeding us. The fruit bearing is not something that we get to really dictate ourselves other than our connection to the Father. When we are connected to Christ, we will grow, we will produce fruit, and things will go well. One of my favorite uh, scriptures uh, comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 6. And this is what Jesus says. He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes. And grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say, say flows from what is in your heart. Now, again, I've, I've been mildly obsessed with this verse and this concept for the last couple years. And, and so much of it is because I have this deep desire for people to be honest with God. 
A tree is known by its fruit. I have met a lot of people who really believe that they are a follower of Jesus. But their life reflects none of the fruit of his spirit. I like to use this example sometimes. Uh, If I was to show you a tree that had apples on it, and I was like, check out my orange tree. You'd be like, should, should, should we tell Hunter that she needs to maybe make a phone call for him in like a, like a place he needs to stay for a little while? Or if I was to be like, hey, check out this banana tree, and you're looking and you're like, Dude, those, are, those are apples. Is this guy crazy? A tree is known by its fruit. It's a very simple concept, right? Yet for many of us, we don't want to make make, make sort of a a conscious effort of uh, making peace with reality. And I've had to do this personally before, where there's times where I'm like, I am a gracious person. And I look at the examples in my life, and it's like, that's not true. I say I'm gracious, but I see uh, some shade there. I say I'm a forgiving person, but wow, it really looks like there's some grudges hanging up there. I say I'm a patient person, but dear Lord, have you seen me with my children? A tree is recognized, it's identified, it's known by its fruit. And again, as followers of Jesus, we cannot grow the good fruits. We cannot experience the fruit of the Spirit as Paul talks about. We can't do any of that apart from being rooted and fed by our Heavenly Father. And so if our desire is to have the fruit that comes from a life with Jesus, I just got to tell you, you can't write it a big enough check. You can't volunteer enough hours. It only comes from surrender, of actually intentionally choosing to be rooted to him. And yes, out of that we find the activities where we choose to be generous, we choose to serve others. Of course all of those sort of things are important, but we can't really experience good fruit apart from Jesus. I'll put it this way, being rooted in Jesus ensures your fruit and your future. You want to have good fruit in this life and you want to have a good future in the next? It can only come from being rooted in Jesus. And it's not one of those things where we like kind of partially do it. We gotta be all in. You know, as we see the different storms that come up, we oftentimes see that there, there are trees, that, trees that, that slowly kind of drift away from having good roots. And sometimes when storms come, they blow away because they're not fully rooted in the ground. In the same way, there's a lot of people that I meet who are like, I'm gonna root myself to Jesus like 20% of my life. Like, I'm gonna... I'm gonna I'll give him maybe Sunday mornings, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll try a Bible, Bible reading plan. But it's like, but uh, I'm not sure I can give up any of uh, my time or my talent or my treasure. This forgiveness thing seems dumb. Not, not sure about that. I'll bring back over here. I will serve once a month. Fine. But again, Jesus is not looking for us to surrender some. He's looking for us to surrender all. He's not looking, transformation is not one of those things where Jesus is like, let me transform 20% of you. No, he wants to transform all of us. And if we want to actually experience those things, if we actually want to know of a brighter future tomorrow, 
It can only happen when we choose to follow Jesus and to be rooted in him. I love what uh, Paul wrote to the church um, in Colossians. This is what it says. These are, these are a few verses from Colossians chapter 2. It says this, And now, just as you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. I, I love these words. That, that, that it's not just this like one small moment, but you continue to follow him. He says this, Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built up on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. And he goes on by saying this. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. And Paul continues on in, chapter, in, in verse 13 by saying this, You were dead because of your sins and your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took away it by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Now, I love, like, Paul, Paul's got me excited to, like, suit up and, like, I'm ready to get in the game. But I love how he reminds us that we, we, we continue in our faith, we get rooted down in him because, and don't miss that part, there are a lot of empty philosophies and bad theology and nonsense that it's easy to fall prey to. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of narratives in this world that sound awesome. There's a lot of ways that people project to live that sound great. Because this is, this, is, this is a bad pitch, but I'll just be honest. Following Jesus is hard. Following Jesus is costly. Following Jesus requires making peace with the ugly parts of our lives. It requires actually saying, I'm not as great as I thought I was. But it also lets us live with honesty. It lets us be reminded that even though I make peace with the ugly parts of my life, I see how God can make me beautiful because of what he is. I see that even though there's these ugly parts of my past, that he has canceled them, that he has washed them away, that he's wiped them away, and I am free from them. I don't have to feel the burden or the shame anymore. I know that my future doesn't have to be one of insecurity and uncertainty, but it can be of a solid, firm foundation where I know that even though this world will pass away, that forever I shall live with him in his kingdom. And it is not because of things that I earn or because of my worthiness, but it is all because of his great love. And so even though it's hard, and even though it's difficult, it's worth it. And it's the only way. I find people who it's really interesting because they, they'll, they'll make phrases like, I could never follow a God who fill in the blank. I could never follow a God who believes this about things or asks me to do this. And I oftentimes in my mind just think like, 
man, like, how can we look if we really believe that there is a creator God who placed the stars in the sky, who did all of these things, and, and by the way, owed us nothing, yet continued to desire to be in relationship with us, even as we continue to just mess it up, who am I to look at him and be like, how dare you live like this? I mean, it's sort of like, let's be honest, when we watch sports games sometimes, and we're like, our, our, our eighth corn dog as we're eating it, we're like, man, I can't believe that guy missed that catch. What an idiot. Like, who are we to say that? But in the same way, I think so many of us have to just come to this place that if we actually want the goodness of God, if we want the right fruit and the right future, we have to choose to be rooted in him. And I, I want to give you just three real quick, obvious, like no dub, but like it's worth just saying and inviting us into this morning. Three ways to be rooted to Jesus, okay? The first thing is just this, we surrender to him. You can't follow Jesus without surrendering to him. You, can't, you cannot be sitting on the throne of your life and ask Jesus to sit there too. It's not big enough for the two of you, okay? Get out of the seat and give it to him. The second thing is spend time with him. I meet a lot of people who wonder why their life goes into chaos, wonders why, like, man, I had this moment with Jesus, and then it just kind of fizzled out. I don't feel it anymore. And oftentimes you ask questions, you realize you had a moment where you surrendered to him, but eventually you stopped spending time with him. And eventually you sort of said, hey, Jesus, I'm kind of getting tired. Can I sit down for a minute? And, and you wonder why. Like any relationship, you have to continue to feed it and nurture it. And the last thing is to serve him and his bride. We serve him and his bride. His bride is the church. Church is incredibly important. And I don't just say that like in, in the little c church sense of, of this church, but, but, but just the church in general. It's incredibly important to actually be committed to a body of believers. And here's why. It has nothing to do with whether or not you always agree with that church. Whether or not you always are like, man, the music was great, or the pastor, I loved his sermon. It doesn't matter whether or not you agree with every single bit of things, whether or not you like every single person who goes to that church. Being committed to it is because it's important that it actually shapes you, inform you in the ways of Jesus. There is so much that is important, that is difficult, that is hard about living in community with others. And yet so much of it shapes us and refines us in the way of Jesus. Because oftentimes, the person whom we deem to be least worthy of grace is the person that God will use to open our eyes to recognize how much we didn't deserve the grace. It is oftentimes in the moments where we have to forgive someone whom hurt us, whom we felt was close, that actually teaches us the power of forgiveness. That we see that grace is not something that is just cheap and given out like that, that it was costly. And so it matters. It matters to surrender to him, to actually spend time with him, and then to serve him and be connected to his bride. I meet a lot of young people, even my age, who, who are like, and I understand why. The church has done some bad things, has, has not always been honest, has hurt people. But they're like, listen, I'm cool with Jesus. The church, though, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. 
And to me, I heard an analogy once that is a really good one. If, if the church is the bride of Christ, that would be like someone coming to me and being like, hey, Aaron, like, I, I love you. Like, we're cool. Like, you're really fun. Um, your wife, Hunter, though, I, I just don't like her. So, like, do you want to come over for dinner? Like, don't tell her you're coming. And, like, but, like, we're cool with you. Or, like, do you want to come to, like, my birthday party? Don't, don't, don't bring her. Like, it's cool if you're, like, together and all. But, like, I would be like, you want some fisticuffs? The people's elbow? That's my girl. Go me, by the way. Um, but in the same way, Jesus says the, the, the church is, is my master plan of broken people who don't have it all together, who don't always get it right, whom, yes, sometimes do the wrong things. But at its most pure form is what I desire to change the world, to advance the kingdom. And so if you want to follow me, you have to love my bride. If you want me, you have to choose her as well. And so it's so important to do these things. I, I love the way a pastor named John Mark Comer puts it uh, in, in a similar sort of fashion. He, just, he says this in, in how we are rooted to Jesus, that, 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 that discipleship, as he would in some ways define it, is to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. So many ways it's very simple in thought, difficult in practice. But again, when we are doing it in community, we don't have to do it on our own. In a lot of ways, we, we fail forward together. And we learn from our mistakes and we continue moving forward. Friend, friends, I'll, I'll leave you in many ways with just this. Uh, if our lives and our church aren't rooted in Jesus, we not only won't grow, uh, but we will also cease to live. I say all of this with, with passion and excitement because it matters. That again, you know, there's every year we, we start off with these ideas of like big goals, new year, new me, 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 best year ever, blah, 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 blah. And so many times if we look back, there are things where we like, oh, we get really excited about and it fizzles away and it doesn't matter. And if we're honest, sometimes it's not even that consequential anyways. But I really believe this in my bones, that if we don't get this right, nothing else matters. Like, if we miss this, we miss everything. It doesn't matter any other initiatives we do, any other things. That if we don't get this whole, like, actually choosing to surrender and be rooted to Jesus thing right, we miss it all. But here's the really incredible news. God knew we are going to continue to get it wrong. And so in many ways, each day is an opportunity and an invitation to choose to continue to follow him, to choose to be rooted down, to choose to say, I'm going to do the hard work that no one sees that's going to produce the fruit. I'm going to do the difficult thing that I don't want to do that's going to form me into who I want to become, that's going to help ensure that my future isn't something that I'm leaving up to chance, that my future isn't something where, where at the end I'm, I'm full of death and destruction and I'm separated from God, but is one where I have a hope and a future with Jesus forever. But don't get it twisted. Jesus has not come. He didn't come and die and, and rise again just so you could have a, a life in heaven someday. But he came so that you could have life today and life more abundantly. And so the invitation uh, this morning, uh, and I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you guys to stand with me. The, the invitation this morning is to just take that first step. 
And maybe for some, this is the first time, or maybe this is the first time in a long time, but it's to take that step of surrender. To sort of say, all right, I'm, I'm putting a line in the sand, and I'm stepping over. And Jesus, I, I, don't, I don't know everything that I got, but I'm giving you it all. I no longer want my life to feel like it's constantly in chaos and turmoil. I want to feel rooted and secured in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are um, we're just abundantly grateful for uh, new beginnings. Scripture says that your mercies are new each morning. And Father, I'm so grateful for that. Father, this morning in, in this time as, as we sing these songs, uh, Father, I pray that you would remind us of your great love. That, Father, you would give us the courage, maybe for the first time ever, just to fully surrender to you. To acknowledge the fact that we need you, that you are God and that we are not. That we don't want to go through life anymore uh, just sort of playing it by ear, but we want to go uh, with intentionality. So, Father, in this moment, uh, remind us of, of your closeness, remind us of your mercy, and, uh, Father, just give us this opportunity to declare uh, that we want to follow you and that you and you alone are our great vision.